Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Quaybog Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check us out on Facebook. That way you'll have access to fresh content every week. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey because our mission here at Quaybog is to help you worship, connect, and serve. Enjoy! If you were here last week, we started a series, just a couple weeks, called Churchy Church. Uh, and uh, the question for us is, what does it really mean to be a Christian? Um, because uh, a church, hopefully when you think of that, if you've heard us talk about it here at Quaybog, or if you've been around a church that kind of has a good healthy view of what church is, you hopefully come to the conclusion that church is both a place and a people, Right. Because it has to be more than just a place. It has to be more than just somewhere you go. And that, I think, is the unique thing. I don't miss this. This is the unique thing about how Jesus started this whole church movement. Because if you go to a synagogue, you're going to a synagogue, right? Jewish people don't see themselves as the synagogue. If you go to a mosque, that's a place that you go to. If you go to a Hindu temple, you're going to a place. What Jesus said, though, is that first and foremost, primarily, the church is going to be a bunch of people, a bunch of followers of his, where the Spirit of God is going to dwell, and where his expectation for that group of people is really, really high, that they're actually going to follow him with their lives. So here's where it gets messy. Here's where it gets uh, interesting, perhaps, and, and personal. The church, what we do here, I said this last week, and I said it back in July, what we do here, what we do in our Bible studies and our connect groups, when we reach out to the community, that all is going to reflect you. You know what I'm saying? That is going to reflect me. The things that we do here as a church are a reflection of the people that make up this church. And you cannot get behind, you can't get beyond that. Like you can't skip over that and act like that's just something that's, you know, yeah, that, and that makes sense. Like, no, that is the heart and soul of what Jesus started and what he said he was going to build in Matthew 16. That beautiful and powerful thing where the spirit of God, the same one that created the universe, that same spirit is going to dwell on his people. And I think we've lost that. I really do. I think in a lot of ways, the church is awesome and it's amazing in America, but I also believe that the church has hardcore slipped into churchy church in America and that that's just a place that we go. It's just something that we do. It's no, no longer what Jesus planned that we would see, no, this is, this is who I am. I am the church, you know, and that's a really important distinction to make because ultimately what is churchy church? Let's look at some things uh, here. We did this last week, and again, we did this last July as well, because about once a year, I'm going to bring us back to this so that we don't forget who we are. I think it's super important for any group of people in general, but especially a church, to know who they are, what their vision is, what their mission is, what their values are, so that we can understand everything that we do is going to be connected to those things, so that we know the direction we're headed. Right? We don't just want to be kind of wandering around as a group of people. That's no good. That's not what Jesus intended for his church. So if we slip into churchy church, though, what can that look like? So first and foremost, it's really, it really becomes a, yep, keep going. Uh, the next, it just ends up being a social club for self-righteous people. <clears throat> now, what do I mean by that? Well, a churchy church just means that I have it all together. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to hell, but all you people out there are, Right? And so, literally, to hell with all of you. I know I'm good, and I know the people here are good, because we should generally look a lot like each other, right? And that's what we want. We want a safe place where people aren't weird. And we've had people leave Quaybar Church recently because we have some trans people that come to this church. And they're like, I don't want my kids seeing that. I don't want my family seeing that. And they weren't super well connected or anything like that, but they left. Because we have trans people that come to this church. Why? Because this is a place for sinners, the people should be able to come here and hear the gospel and hear the truth of Christ. Because if they don't, are they going to find it out there? No. Like, that's why churchy church, we can't be a social club for self-righteous people. Like, we got to be a place that speaks truth and love and has humility. And it's like, church is messy, right? But churchy church is not messy because everybody's got their junk together. And as a result, number two, that's, that's a place where you're expected to be fake, okay, good, or all set, Right? We don't talk about our problems in churchy church because that's messy, it's gross, your sin is, ugh, I don't want to talk about it, right? But that's not what real church is, right? So again, churchy church, you don't talk about those things. Next, 
Churchy Church, your questions, your doubts, those are off limits too because that's hard. I don't really want to get into that with you. That's like a level of relationship. It's just, ugh, you know, I don't know how to answer that. So therefore, let's not talk about it, right? Next, churchy church. is Sin is either celebrated or hidden. Now, this is interesting. So in a churchy church, sins like pride and arrogance because of the self-righteous attitude, the selfish attitude of the people that end up going there, and it's so self-focused, pride and arrogance and uh, are celebrated. And what do I mean by that? Well, we talk about outsiders, kind of like tongue-in-cheek, you know, elbow, elbow, oh, those Democrats. Oh, those Republicans, right? We begin to talk about people as though they don't have souls that need saved, as if Jesus didn't die on a cross for those people. So those kinds of sins are celebrated, right? Our arrogance, like we, we're okay with those, but like other kinds of sins, right? Like homosexuality or maybe adultery, things like that. Well, well, of course we don't accept those kinds of sins or whatever else you want to put in that category. Or they're hidden, right? Because everybody needs to be fake and okay and good, you can't even talk about your sin. You can't find freedom in your sin. And therefore, you're expected to just kind of live in shame and act like you're okay. That's what churchy church does, right? That is churchy church. Next, what else is it? Well, it's a place to, uh, to meet your needs and keep you entertained because, you know, it's about your taste in music. Or, man, I, I can't stand how Pastor Kyle always says X, Y, or Z. I can't stand the groups. Why don't we have this? We should have that. And it ends up being just like the things that you want. And it can be the same for me, right? As a lead pastor, this could just become the Kyle show, and it's only about what I want, right? There's plenty of churches out there that are like that. It's, it's about what the senior pastor wants, what the lead pastor wants, and I can't do that either. That's why I love bringing people into the conversations. That's why I'm showing videos of people all the time. It's why I have people trying to do other things, because like, this is not about me at all about me, but we can make it about us because we lean that way. Next, a churchy church is ultimately a place that's going to be dead and missing the truth and the hope of the gospel because it's really just going to be about what we want to hear. It's going to be about us just kind of discussing things like getting to know kind of off topic in the weeds kind of things about scripture that really don't change our lives. It don't really challenge us to be a better husband or a better friend or a more honest employee, right? Like those kinds of things are going to be missing in a churchy church. And then, lastly, it's going to become an irrelevant building in the community. You know, when all those other things happen and when we've kind of fully secured churchy church status, what that means is you are completely irrelevant in the community that you're meeting in. And that is the opposite of what the church is supposed to be, right? That is the opposite of what the church is supposed to be. That, it's not about us, right? Yeah, we're making disciples here, surely. But also, Jesus says, you need to go out. You need to be the church, but a churchy church won't do that, and a churchy church slowly dies because of that, because it's not concerned with community. However, however, on the other side of that, what we talked about last week is the authentic church. What is an authentic church? And so just spoiler alert, this is what we're going for here at Quaybog Church, right? This is, this is the goal here, just so pay attention to this part, right? So next, what does that look like? We're responsible for making disciples who can make disciples. So again, think about it. If a church is only a place, then it's my responsibility to do all this, isn't it? But if a church is a people, whose responsibility is that? Yeah, it's yours, right? Because that's what being a Christian is. But if you just attend churchy church, you're not going to do that. Well, that, I don't know how to do that. I don't know scripture well enough. I don't know how to answer questions enough. I don't know where to serve. I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to make sure that Pastor Kyle does that. And he does everything and then burns out and his family hates him. You know what I'm saying? Lots and lots of churches do that, but I refuse to do that because that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to help you do that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what church is. And so the next, a place where leaders are raised up. Because of the first one, we want to be doing this. This is a big part of what we're going to be doing in 2023 is finding, identifying, and then developing and raising up leaders here at Quayblock Church, right? Just like Jesus did. He identified them, he built into them, and he turned them loose. That's the model Jesus gave us, and that's what we're going to do here, right? Next, churchy church is where sin's dealt with. Because if you deal with sin, you call it out, and then you get to live in freedom. That's what authentic church does. It doesn't hide it. It doesn't celebrate it. It deals with it, but that's uncomfortable. I don't like it when people call my sin out either, but it's what we need. It's what an authentic church does, and that's where freedom is found. Next, 
we also want to be a place where you're expected, encouraged to be real, right? To be authentic, because that's where the freedom is found. Knowing that you can come here and find somebody to pray with you because you got something going on. Developing friendships and relationships in the local church. So you're not just trying to talk with Pastor Kyle or maybe one of the deacons, but you just know that the body of Christ sees their role as being the body of Christ, being the church, you know? Next, an authentic church is where, of course, our questions and doubts are welcomed and talked about. Because uh, insider knowledge here, your pastor has questions and doubts that I can't always answer, right? Is God really going to work this out? Is God really going to answer that prayer? I read through the Old Testament. I'm like, God, why did you do that? Because that doesn't make sense to me here in the 21st century, right? I, I got all kinds of questions and doubts about things all the time, and I just have to keep bringing them back to the Lord. Or I talk to other believers. I talk to friends or other pastors, and I say, man, that's really what I'm struggling about. Can you pray about this with me? You know? And so, yeah, we should, because that's how you move on. That's how you grow in your strength, right? And then what we're about here, a place for worship, connection, and service. Right? This is a theme. The reason we pick these words, the reason we put them all over the place is because this is what you constantly see in the New Testament. I mean, constantly see in the New Testament. The worship happening, connection happening, and then just that outreach, right? That outsider perspective. And then lastly, I think, nope, second last, a house that's alive and full of the life-giving message of the gospel. That's why we talk about it so much here, because this is who we want to be. This is what we constantly want to be talking about is the gospel. Like every time we're together, we want to be that. And then lastly, what we're hoping to be, what we strive to be, is a place that's vital to the community. Uh, it's why we do outreach. It's why we have big events here. It's why we serve. It's why we're doing fasting and collecting food, right? It's because this place, if this place disappeared, this local church disappeared, and we just all suddenly were like gone, like there should be a hole in the community because of that. That should be a felt impact to our community. That's the kind of light and hope and, uh, I guess, just gospel presence that we should be as followers of Jesus. So hopefully you're seeing here that we're, what we're trying to do at Quaybalk Church is to help build a kind of culture where we all say, okay, we are the church, and that means we have an incredibly important part to play. Everybody here, everybody here that's a follower of Christ has been filled with the Spirit of God and has, uh, has a role, has something to do, something that they can, they can give to somebody else, invest in somebody else, and that, that with it, that comes a responsibility of growing your own relationship with Christ. And realizing it's not just something you go to or attend, but it's who you are. That's, that's what being a follower of Christ is all about. And so we don't want to be churchy church. Because like I said, he had this beautiful and powerful plan for the church. This, this like imperfect body. Because it can, I mean, think about it really. If you were going to start something that was going to change the world, you probably would not start it with a bunch of untrained people a bunch of guys that didn't really know much about anything and that were from different ends of the political spectrum. Because Jesus' disciples, don't forget, some of them were like hardcore zealot Jews, which meant like we were all in on being Jew, ethnic Jews and religious Jews. And then you had the other end of the spectrum where you had Matthew the tax collector, who's all in on the power of Rome. Right? It's like you've got Donald Trump and AOC as part of your, like, discipleship team. You know what I'm saying? It's like you got Bernie Sanders lining up with, you know, like, yeah, Donald Trump. And they're like, hey, I want you to be uh, the next, you know, movement that's going to start the church. Like, that's kind of what was happening within that discipleship team. But you know what, what made the difference was Jesus. It was those men owning their faith and letting that change them. And those guys all changed the world. And the women that came a part of that movement, those people changed the world because they realized there was something way bigger going on in their politics or even their nation, their nationality, all that kind of stuff. So they didn't allow themselves. The early church, that's why it exploded so much. The model that Jesus gave to start this movement was a, like from the outside was like a, a, a model for disaster and failure. Just this ragamuffin group and it's not going to be through influence. It's just going to be through, like, service and love and sharing the gospel and, like, and feeding people and being financially generous. Like, these kind of weird things that don't seem to make any difference. And all of a sudden, in the 300s, the emperor, Constantine, would accept Christ, and it, like, it changed history. Like, that's fancy, right? I mean, it wasn't through being churchy church. That's for sure. It was the, like, being the authentic church. 
And so here in our context, what are we going to do? Again, just to help, help us focus as we start this new year off together, like what is our plan for that uh, in, the, in this year? What is our plan always moving forward, of course? So our vision, uh, we've, we say it a lot because we want to keep it in front of us. Why? Because we forget things, don't we? Yes, I do too, all the time. So what is our vision? To be an authentic home for the hope of Jesus through exceptional spirit-led worship, connection, and service to what? Our surrounding communities, right? It's not just about us. We want to do these things not only as a church, but as the church, right? We want to do these things. We want to embody these things. This is the kind of stuff that we are called to for me personally to be a, a, a place that's an authentic home for the hope of Christ, like me personally in my own life. And I want to do that because the way that I'm worshiping, connection, connecting with people and serving people in here, this community, but also in our surrounding community. So if we are embodying that individually, man, how would this church be? How many more baptisms do we get to do because we're just loving people and being authentic home for the hope of Jesus Christ? And that's our better tomorrow, right? That's what we're always pushing for and striving for. And that's why we put it up on banners and stuff. But then our mission, our day-to-day thing, this comes right out of Matthew 22 and Matthew 28. All this is, our mission, our day-to-day mission that we want to have is just scripture. To love God and love people is the great commandment in Matthew 22. And then to help them start and grow their relationship with Jesus Christ is the great commission in Matthew 28. That's our mission. Like, we're trying to keep it really simple here. Like, what is it day-to-day we want to be as individuals? Because if you can own this in your own life, that's when the church really gets healthy. When the people of God accept the command and the commission of God, and they say, all right, this is who I am then that's when you get to see what Jesus had planned for his local church. And then the values. What are the things that are really important to us? Obviously, evangelism, discipleship. Evangelism is simply just sharing your faith, just being able to talk with people. Evangelism can be as simple as like, hey, can I pray for you about that? Or as my friend John one time just had the opportunity at work. Somebody just brought something up kind of randomly, and now she comes. (laughs) And now she's getting baptized right? Like, how cool is that? You know, she's getting baptized. Is she getting baptized next Sunday? She's one of the ones, right? And so he just had somebody at work and he was, and he's an HR manager. So it's like, that's not exactly like a theological discussion area, right? That's the people you go to because somebody else is trying to share their faith, right? You know what I'm saying? And so he just had to really play that, right? He had to be like, okay, how do I do this? But she wanted to talk about it. Where do you go to church? And then one thing led to another. And then she starts coming and attending. And like her kids are down in the kids zone. And it's like next weekend she's getting baptized. Right? Don't overthink it. It doesn't have to be like, well, let me give you the 19 steps of salvation. <laughs> and then when I'm done, you either do or you burn in hell. So we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Okay? No. Right? And disciple making. That you personally know how to just... Be alongside somebody in the journey of being a disciple. Humility is huge to us. Authenticity, being real, huge to us. Community focus, big time important to us. And then some of our goals of membership. If you go through our membership class, these other ones here. Commitment to regular connection to the body, right? Being because you need to be here because uh, you need to be here. Like, I, I, I'm a part of this church. I'm committed to these people because I need somebody and somebody needs me, Right? And then financial generosity, which I love to say as we get into this financial series next month, or actually next week, um, like our church is. like Our church is really financially generous, which that's something that I've always been amazed about at our church. Like we are just this little church in Central Mass, and it's like we are so generous. And we do stuff literally all over the world. I love it. And so that's going to be something cool we get to talk about because that should be a mark of Christians is to be financially generous. And then daily time with God and scripture and prayer. You know, you are taking your walk with Jesus seriously because it's your walk, not somebody else's. And then so another way we're going to push forward into these kind of things in 2023 is a gospel and real life theme for the year. This is something God put in my heart heavy. Uh, I don't uh, even remember when, sometime in the fall, just this gospel in real life uh, theme. And what does that mean? So what are we going to be pushing big time into in 2023? It means for us that we're going to take scripture and we're going to be helping you see how it applies to changes and blesses your life. So this is kind of a tagline we're going to be talking about all year long. How does scripture apply to change and bless your life? Because as a follower of Jesus, we have to know what he says. We have to know his word. And so that's going to be a big theme for us this year of, of, of helping people see, because this is discipleship, of coming alongside people and doing that. And because we want to do that, we want to be really intentional. We'll go to the next one. We also want to be really intentional about, obviously, biblical teaching on Sundays. I plan to use the Bible pretty much every Sunday I preach, right? And then 
Uh, and next, what else do we want to do uh, in our groups? We want to be very intentional saying, okay, this is how Scripture connects to your life, right? We've got gospel in real life. Like, how does this actually bless your life? Uh, next, a uh, big one is opportunities to serve our church community and then our surrounding community. Like, we're going to be doing more of that. And we're going to be going slow because we want to do a handful of things really, really well, you know? So sometimes people say, hey, can we do this? And sometimes it's just, that's a great idea. That's a good idea, but it's not what God wants us to do because we don't want to do a million things kind of well. We want to do a handful of things really, really well at our church, you know, but, but this is definitely a part of that. And then lastly, uh, team and leadership development. So if you didn't know, I hired Brittany specifically for this reason. Our church brought Brittany on as our connections coordinator specifically to do this. And this year, uh, we're going to be developing teams and then particularly the, the, those that lead those teams so that we can build up strong Christians that know what their giftedness is, know how to use that to serve the local body, to serve the local communities, and that we're coming alongside people. But that's, like, that is the, the purpose I brought Brittany on for. Uh, and when we do our budget meeting and our annual meeting, we'll be asking for a little bit more to train Brittany to do that, to go off to some training, because this is how God works. So she used to work for Samaritan's Purse, Operation Christmas Child specifically, and her job was volunteer development and leadership, part of that, the, what she did there. And so she got all this training on how to lead volunteers, because Operation Christmas Child is really volunteer-driven. And so uh, when I was praying about this position— and I was like, Lord, you know, would you please show me, like, who's going to fill this position? How are we going to do this? Like, I've got all these ideas for all these areas of ministry. I want to make sure we develop and get behind. And God just kind of whispered into my ear, and he's like, you're married to her. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, right, yeah. <laughs> and so I asked her, and she was all about it, you know, and she realized it was going to be a big task that I gave her, but she's been doing amazing. She's awesome. And so that's going to be a big part of who we are as well, because we really want to invest in you. That's a huge deal for us. And so some practical first steps that we're going to take as a church. Uh, one is going to be our connect assessments. Uh, how can we invest in you so that you can invest in others, right? Our connect assessments are a big thing. Uh, we used to use the shape assessment, which if you took the shape assessment, is very long and unwieldy. And it's like we, we handed you like a packet like this thick and then a dictionary to go with it, right? And so what we've done over the years is we've tried to really, really pare that down because we started asking the question, how can we get people engaged in the process of discipleship and, the, and just being engaged in what the church is doing and, like, and helping people find their passions and then watching what God does? How can we do that easier? Well, we've got to take that assessment and we've got to thin it down a little bit. So we boiled it down. I think now it's just like five pages because when it comes to this kind of thing, you can't just have three questions on it, right? Because we do want to know, your spiritual giftedness. We do want to know what your passions are, like what sets your heart on fire, right? Because if it's not nursery, we don't want you in the nursery. If you're, and then what kind of personality do you have? Because if you're like a, just a, give me a task and I'll do it, but I don't like people, we're not going to put you on the welcome team. You know what I'm saying? Like, just find a seat. There's an open one right over there. I don't know why you're looking around. You know, we don't want that kind of person on the welcome team. Uh, you know, but how can we invest in you so that you can invest in others? That's a big one. We've got a digital one. A man, Timbo, he made it. Uh, I was proud of him. I don't know how, but he did a, a Google Sheet. So you can actually just do it online really easily. You can get actual paper ones over there. We do have them, but there's a QR code to take the digital one as well. Uh, so that's a big thing for us. Uh, and then next week, we start our financial peace series. Uh, the title of this series is going to be Money and Peace, and then in parentheses, Aren't Oxymorons. Right? They don't have to be oxymorons. And so this is a great series for us to invest in you so that you can also then invest in others. This is an opportunity to invite people. Scary times right now financially for a lot of people. There's a lot of stress and a lot of pressure, uh, but there's peace to be found. And so each week we're going to be in Scripture, of course, but each week of the six weeks of the series, we're going to be hearing uh, interviews that I'm going to be doing with people from our own church. We're very, very story-driven so that we can hear real practical stories of, like, what is God doing in other people's lives and all across the spectrum of ages. Uh, we've got about a 30-year or 40-year age gap between uh, the people that are going to be doing interviews. And uh, it's really, really cool to hear kind of some of the stories and, and why I picked these people is because the stories that they shared with me. Uh, I wish we could do longer because there's other people that I wanted to hear from, but uh, this is going to be very story-driven. And then right after that, to land it in a very practical way, is the Financial Peace University Connect Groups. Now, these groups here are practical ways of taking the information from Scripture, the stories we hear, and applying it to life. 
Now, what I love about this is it's not just like, well, I'm kind of beyond that stage because Terry McIsaac is going to be leading uh, the development of all of our teams on this. And she's going to be help, helping guide all this and, and implement all this. And she watched through all the series and she got to the end ones and she said, yeah, there's like some things here I'm watching on like insurance and like different stuff. Like when, after you've gotten past a certain stage of kind of financial planning and life stage, she was like, I wasn't even thinking about some of this stuff. So I got, I got, I'm going to watch these with Dean now because we need to like create a plan around some of this stuff. So don't just be like, well, I'm not like, I'm not in that stage anymore. I'm retired. Uh, Terry very much is still learning some stuff from this. And again, as a follower of Christ, you now have information that you can be like, hey, I know somebody that uh, is maybe a little bit younger than me. Or maybe I can go to that group and offer some ex experience from my own life, and I can contribute that way. Or you've got sons or daughters or grandkids that you can share this information to, invite them to. Later in the year, uh, I see us using this as an outreach uh, type of a thing to be able to um, do things, you know, inviting people in to be a part of these, because here's how we're able to do this. This is a Dave Ramsey program, and we had uh, some very generous people from our church that donated to be able to make this happen. So we have people in our church that are being financially generous and allowing us to offer this free, because this is not a free thing, but we're able to offer to all of you for totally free, because we've got some generous people in our church that have come and said, yeah, we'll get behind that. So again, this, this is cool. It's about us. It's us doing this, right? So we want to be very practical in all these things. Give us opportunities to invite people in uh, that even that maybe you know and say, hey, how would you like to hear about this stuff? So anyway, we'll get more about that uh, a little bit later. And all of this stuff, again, I know this has been a lot, but it's just like, this is what excites my heart. This is what I'm called to do. Like, this is what I love is, is investing in the, the followers of Jesus Christ and this community. Because here, this next one, this inverted pyramid, we show this a lot, is because this is how Jesus said to do church, right? The more you know Jesus, the further down you go. Because he said, my leaders are going to be servants. My people that are first are going to be last. And so I see myself at the very bottom of this pyramid with the opportunity to be able to serve people above me. And that as you grow in your relationship, you're just like, I'm just kind of going down this pyramid of influence because this is what Jesus said. And I'm just finding other people now to invest in, you know, because I'm building the body. All of us just have that mentality. We're just building the body of Christ as we grow in Jesus. And that's our model here. So back to kind of the churchy church model, right? So we want to be that authentic church, and that's a lot of the stuff that we're trying to do this year, kicking off in the next couple of weeks, uh, to really, really move forward toward that authentic church, uh, you know, in all of us. And so that being said, to go back to this this kind of dichotomy between churchy church and authentic church, in Galatians chapter five, Paul's getting into some of this. So Galatians five one, we read almost every Sunday during the Advent series. And he is going to, in this chapter, this is kind of a famous chapter because this is where the fruit of the Spirit is, but he builds a bit of a case before he gets there. So in, in verse 1, he mentions freedom, and that's the verse that we used every Sunday during Advent almost. And the point that he's making, though, is that you do not need to go back, contextually speaking, Galatians, the letter to the Galatians, you don't need to go back to fulfilling Old Testament requirements. Right? Because there's these people that were sneaking into the church and they were like, well, hey, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you really want to be saved, you got to do all this Jewish stuff. Like, you got to, like, you got to still kind of follow the commands and we'll, we'll tell you what they are. Right? Like, we've got the inside track and we'll let you know how Jewish you need to be in order to be saved. And so Paul says in verse one, go to that next one, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and, firm then, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery, right? The Old Testament system is what Jesus fulfilled. We don't need to keep going back to that and just piling things on top of us to make us feel saved. Like, that's not the point. You're under a new law, a law of grace now, Paul would say. And then he reminds, though, he says, okay, so since we have freedom, right, churchy church, we want to make sure that we're not sliding into be like, oh, I'm free now, because in verse 13, he says, you are called to be free, brothers and sisters, only, and this is important for us, 2023, don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh or for sin, but do what? Serve one another through what? That's, that's like the primary ethic, right? That is our primary ethic. So what are you saying? Like, think about how this applies to us and what church looks like, what Christians, what Christianity looks like. 
don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So don't be like, well, I'm saved, I'm good, I've got a relationship with God, so to hell with everybody else, right? There's spiritual arrogance there, and it's what Jesus got pretty much most angry with when he was here on earth, right, the Pharisees. And so for us today to say, okay, I'm not going to slide into that, but I'm going to stay humble, I'm going to serve one another through love, because I, I think as, as we move forward in time, over the last 10 years, we've seen the church in America really decline in influence. Over the last three years, especially, it's been really, really truncated. We've seen the church in America lose a whole lot more influence, right? Because I do believe, in a sense, that the church in America, as great as it is, is still doing awesome stuff. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, I'm still committed to the local church, right? Give my life to it. But I do think, though, that in America, we are sliding way into the churchy church thing. And we're dying over all the wrong things. And America is watching us. Young people in America are watching us and being like, I don't want any part of that. Like, ah. Like, the people that I know that are Christians are some of the most angry, judgmental, hypocritical. Like, I hear this all the time. And it's like, that wrecks my heart. And so, are we being churchy church? Are we thinking we're getting away with something that we're not? And that the next generations that are coming up are holding us account to? Like, I honestly look at that. I, like, I'm constantly kind of looking at the, the news and social media through the lens of, like, you know, where is Christ in all this? Like, where is the, the local church in all this? Like, how is the world perceiving us? Is the world perceiving us as like, man, I don't think their message is right at all. Like, I think that there's no way Jesus is the only way. I don't think Jesus is real. I don't think, I don't believe in what they believe. But man, they serve one another through love. Like, what if, like, what if that was a condemnation? Like, I don't, I don't believe what they believe. But man, I cannot deny who they are and how this, this love ethic that seems to be so thorough in this, that yes, they, man, they absolutely don't believe and agree with certain things I do, but they somehow find to do it, like find a way to do it in a gracious way. Because we should stand for truth, 100%. 100% we should stand for truth. But I think there's a way to do that. I think there's a way to do that with grace and with love. And again, what we're going to see this morning, Paul was dealing, the people in Galatia were dealing with the very same sins that we are today. And it's interesting to see how Paul says to deal with them. Really interesting. And that's what we're going to get. So again, kind of churchy church, like being authentic, being real. And then so Paul, he, sa he says this next, verse 14. <clears throat> For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Read this again with me. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, so you need to love your neighbor. Yeah, you need to love yourself too. You need to care for yourself. But you need to love your neighbor. The whole law, the entire Old Testament, 613 laws, Paul says, are fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's an ethic that drives Christianity. It should be, at least. But if you love your neighbor, too, again, just make sure we're not like all grace here. If your neighbor was about to walk out in front of a car, would you say anything? Yeah, because you'd want to tell them the truth, right? You, you wouldn't be like, stop being so judgmental, you know? Like, I don't want to say that because I don't want to make them feel bad. No, it's there's still love in that. And then verse 15, kind of what I think we're seeing a lot happen in the American church lately. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. I saw so much of this, and it pains me. And it's hard to say these things. It is. It's like not an easy thing to stand up here and talk about these kinds of things. What I've watched and observed over the last few years, American Christianity has been this right here. We have absolutely died on some of this stuff, and we have destroyed our credibility in the eyes of the public. We have destroyed our credibility in the eyes of the next generation and the one younger because they're watching us be so hateful. So hateful. It breaks my heart when I talk to younger people and they're like, man, I see what Christians post online. I want nothing to do with any of that. This is me. I'm not just talking theoretically. I'm talking like Christians that I'm trying to like keep in the church and they're like, man, I just, I see what Christians post. I want nothing to do with that. And they write Jesus off because of his church. Because the church is a reflection of the people that say they're Christians. So yes, I know I'm being hard, but so is Paul. Paul's trying to give a real serious warning because he knows what happens when we start being churchy church. And we just make it about us. And we don't care what anybody else is doing. Right? So again, this is, this is hard for me too because i got to watch out for this. Because people in town know I'm a pastor. And that makes it even harder. 
you know what I'm saying? Like, I got to be really nice uh, and like, <laughs> like, oh, you're a priest or you're, they think like a monk, like I'm a monk or something like that. You know, I'm like, no, I'm like a normal guy. Can you get married? Yes, I can get married. Uh, you know, so, but yeah, we got to be really mindful um, of what we're, what we're doing. So Paul then, and after these verses, is then going to paint a picture. Okay, this is like worst case scenario. Let's paint a better picture. Let's paint a contrast in lifestyle is then what Paul is going to do in chapter five. So in verse uh, 17, he says this, For the flesh, so our sinful nature, desires what's against the spirit. And the spirit desires what's against the flesh. And these are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. So that's kind of the Romans 7, this back and forth. We talked about that Christmas Eve. It's this struggle that we always feel. There's that tendency towards selfishness, to just doing what I want to do, and I don't care what anybody else says or thinks. Like, this is what I want. And if we bring that mentality, because that's already in us, but now we live in like a super, super, super like uh, consumer society, which really, really pushes that, and that you deserve this, and you everything should be your way. And isn't it funny, the more and more and more in our culture we make everything about us, the more mentally depressed we keep getting, <clears throat> right? The more selfish we keep allowing ourselves to be pushed by marketers, the more depressed that we get, right? Mental health, I mean, COVID obviously did a lot, but we're all retreating into our own little paradises, and it's just making us more miserable. Because Jesus said, it's not about you. You can't handle the weight of the universe being around you. That's not how it's meant to be. Only God can handle that kind of pressure, being at the center of the universe. We're not built that way. And so what Paul is going to say is, look, we need to understand that there is that battle. There is that tendency towards selfishness. And what I think is interesting is right here in verse 19. So if you kind of give into that sinful nature, that flesh desire, in verse 19 he says this, the works of the flesh are obvious. So he's going to contrast. He just got done saying there's this battle going on between the flesh and between what the spirit wants. So if you give into the flesh, let's cover that first, Paul says. And if you do that, the works of the flesh are obvious. So he's going to contrast works of the flesh, fruit of the spirit. Works of the flesh are things that we produce. Fruit of the spirit is what God produces. So he's going to set up a contrast here for us. And then he says in verse 20, the first ones he mentioned, three sexual sins, sexual immorality, pornea, and that's a Greek word, prostitution, is where, we, of course, we get pornography from, moral impurity, or just filth, it's kind of a disgusting word, and then promiscuity, which is a strong Greek word that means completely lacking in moral restraint. So the works of the flesh are these kinds of things. When Jesus in Mark 7 lists his little list of sins, sexual sin was number two that he listed. <clears throat> it's a big part of who we are, sexuality is. And it's a big issue in America right now. I mean, it's a huge global issue, right? I mean, this is like, this is really, really destroying us because we've said you can do whatever you want sexually. And now it's like, oh man, we've got like craziness happening. In two weeks, we're going to be uh, celebrating Sanctity of Life Sunday, right? We're going to be thinking about the fallout of sexual sin. We watch rapes all the time happen. We're talking like child molestation. We're talking about people being kidnapped. We're talking about like, all this stuff, all the time on the news. And Paul's saying, well, yeah, because this was like a very strong part of us. And it's when it gets out of control, it gets dangerous. And it's why at Quaybog Church, we have groups that say, hey, we will come alongside you in areas like this. Because I know that the majority, literally, the majority of men in most churches are struggling with these things right here. And women too. But this is a kind of a particular to guys. And Paul's saying, we need to keep an eye on this stuff right here because it's a big deal. And we talk about it in church because it's a big deal. Because freedom is found when we talk about it and we admit it and we move away from it. Because sin is dealt with and freedom is found. And secondly, right, in an authentic church, it's a place where you're expected and encouraged to be real because that's when freedom is found. When you walk away from sexual addiction or sexual struggle or flirting with disaster, things like this, and we get to come alongside and help you get freedom in those areas. That's what we're about. The next two are interesting. Idolatry and sorcery. So look at this. I actually found this out this week. Idolatry is like one we can understand. Back then, it was a little bit different than now. Now we've got gadgets. Now we've got our jobs, right? Now we've got our kids. Now we've got finances. Now we've got all this other stuff that we worship in, in place of God. But this other one here, sorcery, some of your translations might actually have witchcraft, right? But 
I was just wondering, what is the words behind this particular word here? Because usually as I'm reading through Scripture, I've also got Greek up, so I'm trying to find out, like, is there anything here that's like, like fleshes this out a little bit? And this word sorcery here, next, is actually the Greek word pharmakeia. So what does that sound like? Pharmacy, right? That's where we get our word pharmacy from. Now, what that is, is it's the use of medicine or drugs for healing or for poisoning or for spells. So when Paul says that the works of the flesh are obvious, and then he says idolatry and sorcery, what is he actually meaning? What is he actually saying? The people historically 2,000 years ago, what are they hearing when they hear the word pharmakeia? Well, there's actually like three categories of this. One is just straight up drug abuse, right? So it's not that drugs were bad because, you know, Luke, who wrote Luke and Acts, was a doctor, right? And so it's this bad side of this. It's the abuse of drugs, particularly abusing drugs so that you could go into these trances to worship spirits, witchcraft, right? So drugs were very much connected to not just abuse, but also to like satanic worship. So his listeners are hearing that when he says that, but also at the time, what was big? Infanticide was big, and that means leaving your children outside if you don't want them, but also women were drinking poison to try to have abortions. So they were drinking very dangerous drugs to try to abort their children. So this is like a really wide sweeping word that Paul is talking about here. It's not just sorcery, because we could say that for today. That's your tarot cards. That's your horoscopes. That's your uh, fortune cookies. Sorry. You know, I mean, if you take it that seriously, I guess if you're like, oh, man, the spirits are speaking to me through this cookie. No, they're not. They're not. Just some dude that's like coming up and being like, oh, this will be good. But, you know, but really, though, that's a wide sweeping word, which is really interesting for me to kind of discover that this week of how like all that was tied together. So he's, he's really addressing a lot here for his listeners and for us today. And then. Again, this next list here, again, these are all very, very applicable still today. It's amazing to me how little we change uh, spiritually. So next, he says, okay, so other works of the flesh, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, right? These are all just, you know, from us. This is all sinful stuff. And he goes on. He says, envy, drunkenness, carousing and anything similar. It's like, all right, that's it. I, don't, I, I can't go on anymore. I could go on all day long. And he's just like, look, there's so much stuff out there that's just wrecking people, and it will wreck your church. Because remember, he said, if you do these things, if you bite, you're going to devour one another. And if we have these kind of things showing up, Paul says this next. He says, and I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because those things, living in those things, are not the mark of the authentic church. So Paul's really, this is strong language here. This is something that he's really trying to get his listeners to understand. And God is speaking, I think, still to us here 2,000 years later. So then the contrast, it's not all doom and gloom. Paul's simply saying, look, this is the obvious stuff that is the work of sin. This is like, you're going to see this if you don't keep an eye on where your heart and where your soul is, if you're not being the authentic church. So on the other side of that, most of us kind of are familiar maybe with this next verse, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, right? First and foremost, 1 Corinthians 13, he says the same thing. It's like the first thing that drives everything. What is driving in this letter? He just keeps coming back to love. Love, 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 love is a very powerful and strong thing, and it changes the world, right? And then joy, and then peace. That's what we're going to be hitting on that in that series on finance. Patience, kindness, right? Being a kind person, being a good person, being a faithful person person. As my relationship with Christ goes, I should be able to see more of this in my life. This should be the evidence that I belong to Jesus, that I see these things. I'm becoming more patient, more peaceful, more joyful, right? I'm becoming a more kind person. I'm not giving myself excuses anymore just to be a negative jerk all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are the things that we do. We give ourselves permission to sin. And Paul's saying, don't. And then he finishes up, verse 23. And then there's gentleness, and then there's self-control. I don't have to give in to sin. Self-control kind of wraps everything up, which I think is awesome. And he says the law, which they were dealing with in this letter, the Old Testament law, is not against such things. That is the mark of Christianity, not all that other stuff. Authentic church versus churchy church. 
And then it gets practical, and this is kind of what we close this chapter out with. It gets really, really practical, but how, right? Okay, so how do I, I've got this, this fight going on. And he says in verse 24, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So essentially, it's like, because of Jesus Christ, I no longer am going to choose sin. Now, we just read right over this, and it doesn't hit us at all. But you have to remember, these people saw crucifixions. So when Paul says to them that they need to crucify the flesh with its passions, he's saying you need to violently kill your sinful desires. Like bloody, miserable, screaming, doesn't want to give in because that's what your sinful nature is like. And you need to violently stretch out sin and nail it to a cross and kill it. That's what his listeners were interpreting with this. Why? Because your sinful nature will destroy you if you don't destroy it. That's how serious a Christian should be about that kind of stuff. Stop giving yourself excuses to sin and realize that this is something that you are in a life and death battle with and you have to kill it before it kills you. But we read right over this and we're just like, oh yeah, crucifying the flesh and its passions and desires. Like, no, this is a messy, bloody scene that Paul's talking about here. And he's saying it's that important that your soul is that important and this life is that important that you need to take the sin that seriously. That's a big statement to make when we don't want to just jump right over. Now, but he goes on though, verse 25, he says, so if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. So step one to win this spiritual battle is to crucify my sinful nature. And then the second part is keeping in step with the spirit. Right, And that's the kind of stuff that I talked about this morning. It's, this is where I get these things that we're talking about for our vision, our mission, our values, all these things, uh, that we want to know Christ. And that's my desire for you, is that you really see how Scripture applies to, changes, and blesses your life. And that you see what it does in your relationships, and with your patience, and with your forgiveness, and like sexual stuff, like he talked about, or even like trying to like tap into other weird spiritual things, like all this kind of stuff. Getting in step with the Spirit of God, that's how we step away from our sinful nature, which I love. It's like, he just is so practical in this section. Because remember, verse 1. Verse 1, go back to 5.1 there, the next slide. He says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. You know, I just, I love that. I think this really gets missed. And I think if we turn into churchy church, the world's going to miss this as well. That what Christ is talking about is freedom. You know, and, uh, but we love ourselves so much. It's like, ah, it's like, it's easy to kind of get pulled back into that. And then the world doesn't want to hear that message because we're kind of telling the world, like, it's not about you. And they're like, what? You know, but really for freedom, Christ has set us free. Because if you look at these two here, this last couple questions. What is churchy church and what is authentic church? I really do believe that authentic church looks a lot like Jesus Christ. And churchy church just does not. It just doesn't. Authentic church does. You know, it, it, it has all those things that we talked about earlier. Because ultimately, church is us. It's you. Every day. It's you Wednesday morning. It's you Thursday night. It's you when nobody's looking. It's you when your spouse says something that's an old wound. You have to choose in that moment to be gracious. You have to choose in that moment to offer up those fruits of the Spirit. Like, that's where it gets real. That's when you're watching the news and you start getting all panicky about what's happening in the world. Why can't those Republicans just vote for somebody? You know what I'm saying? It's like, we get all wrapped up around that stuff. And it's like, Jesus says, no, I give you my peace. Give me my peace. But gospel and real life is what we're talking about this year. In your real life. Not theoretically, but in your real life. That's authentic church. Because an authentic church, and I'll close with this. Authentic church really is an authentic home. It's why it's our vision statement. For the hope of Jesus Christ. Through exceptional, spirit-led worship, connection, and service to our surrounding communities. Authentic church really has as a heart for each individual person and then corporately as the church that we're going to love God, we're going to love people, and we're going to help them start and grow a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our mission. Like, that's why. That's where we get this stuff from, is because this is what God has given us. This is like the otherworldly, way bigger than us mission that we get to be a part of. 
And this year, we really, really, really want to dig down into that so that you're seeing this stuff in real life. So my question to end with is, what needs to change in your life? Maybe like today, to make this practical. Like, what are some things that maybe you can do, you need to do to move toward that authentic model of being a Christ follower, right? What is it maybe you need to say no? What do you need to crucify? What old wound? What old habit? What old thing? You know, maybe what more, like, time do you need to spend maybe in scripture or with another believer or finding somebody to pray with? You know, like, I don't know. Like, that's the hard part when you preach a message like this. Like, so many things that we could do with this stuff. But what is your thing? Like, what is your thing that you can just be like, I want to just keep moving more toward that authentic Christianity in my life. And then, because next week, I would even say, try to think, pray through. Is there somebody you can invite next week? Somebody that you know that may be struggling with some finances. Like, hey, could you, the world deals in fear and hopelessness. And Jesus deals in what? Hope and peace, right? So the world is going to deal with us in, like, in a way that makes us want to consume more, right? I'm going to keep you scared all the time. I'm always going to be, my group's always going to be a little behind. We're never actually going to win because that's going to keep you being fearful. And the end's always, you know, right around the corner. And Jesus is like, or you could just have peace and you can have hope, right? So again, who do you know in your life? And maybe you can invite to this series, thinking even further ahead. Do you know somebody that you could say, hey, I think there's this connect group. There's a small group that we're doing. You don't have to say connect group. There's a small group that our church is doing. Like, I think this would be really good for you. You know, just given some of the things that you've said, like, this is really practical stuff. How can we go out and, like, and be the hope of Jesus, right? Just, just how are you going to personalize this? Tim, you want to praise out? So just be thinking about that in your own, in your own walk, in your own life. Like, as we go through the, this year together, 2023, gospel in real life is a big deal for us. Good? Cool. Awesome. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for uh, letting us be something more than a group. We're not just a building. We're also not just some people that get together. We are your people, and you are changing us. I pray that we don't settle into church at church, that we embrace the uncomfortable, that we're willing to step out of that, that you're going to continue to change us as individuals, but you're also going to continue to change us as a body. We are your body, and we get to do some incredible things, things that, things that shouldn't happen naturally. We get to see that you change lives. So I'm praying that we get to be conduits of that as we're stepping out, that we get to see all those things for your glory. You do amazing things regularly, uh, but those things are just beginning. In fact, when you came, you even left and said greater things are still to come mm. than when you were on earth, which is mind-blowing, but true, because you're going to do some amazing things. So thank you for letting us be witness to that. But also, we're excited and we're ready and we're willing. So we're going to be leaving here today, headed out into the missions fields. And so I pray that you're with us there as you're with us here. But it's all in your name. Amen. God bless you all. We love you. Have a great week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.